podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. I'm Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. On Perpetual Chess, I have weekly conversations with the chess world's best players, promoters, and educators about their lives, careers, current projects, and best practices. For more information, go to perpetualchesspod.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Perpetual Chess. My guest this week is Grandmaster, chess streamer, chess educator, civil engineer, Pepe Cuenca. Thank you for coming on, Pepe. Welcome. Thank you very much for inviting me to your podcast. Oh, I'm happy to have you. Your uh, your your streams are are fun to watch. You've you've got so much energy. I think you might be I mean, there's some lower-rated streamers that that show a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm for chess but amongst the grandmaster said i think you've got the uh i think you've got the title for the most charismatic streamer well <laughs> i don't know but yes we try to make uh to promote chess you know i think chess is a lot of fun uh, it has a lot of excitement and adrenaline so why not to show to the people as well like this yeah exactly and you were telling me before we started recording that you you drink a couple red bulls before we get started so it sounds <laughs> it sounds yeah, Sounds like you need to um, line up with Hikaru and get a deal from Red Bull. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, when I finish doing this streaming, I'm extremely exhausted. Uh, as you can see, you know, it's uh, like a lot of shouting, a lot of energy, and of course, uh, you get tired. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And I feel like as a as a chess teacher, I do most of my teaching uh, in real life, like in school classrooms and stuff like that for chess classes. But I feel like I need to I need to step up my game. I need to study you and. Uh, and and learn to to project more energy and get the kids excited. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Jose, uh, I saw on the internet that you're a civil engineer, but I also know you're quite busy with chess. So why don't why don't we start with talking about like what's your day to day like? Are you uh, do you have work outside of chess? Or are you focused strictly on your chess business right now? Well, actually, I was never a professional. So okay. Uh, I- yeah, so when I was 17 or 18 years old, when I was about to uh, get to the university, I got my IM title. So that was the time to choose what to do with, with my life. Yeah. So it was clear that with 18 years old and 2400, I was not going to be the, the new world champion. So right. <laughs> that's why I decided to, to start uh, my civil engineering degree at the university. And I was uh, always trying to 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 play chess but also uh, to to do properly with my studies yeah so um, yes when i finished uh, actually my uh, my civil engineering degree at the university of granada i got actually different scholarships to to do a masters and one of them was in the united states to do this mba program with a chess scholarship but i also got another uh, scholarship here in europe to do my masters so i studied in, i i stayed in europe and I did my master in, in mathematical modeling in, for engineering. And yes, uh, I was also, I, I mean, at that time, I, I, barely, I barely played any tournament, you know. But then when I finished my master's, uh, I was hired uh, as a researcher at the University of Hamburg in Germany um, to pursue my, my PhD in applied mathematics. Um, by accident, uh, one of my best friends, Lawrence Trent, I don't know if you know him. Oh yeah, and he's been on yeah. the show. I didn't know that you guys were were tight. I could see I could yeah. see the uh, bond. You guys have uh, similar enthusiasm. 
Yeah, yeah. So actually, uh, we met in some uh, under 16 World Championship, and he was able to to speak uh, some Spanish. I was not able to speak English. So, and then he, he he came to my city to Granada to do some exchange uh, during his university period. So we became very close friends. And then uh, during my PhD time in Germany, he uh, came to to record some videos at some company. Right. <laughs> now it's Chess24. And then he, he told me about this company. I was uh, out of chess, basically. So I was uh, doing my research at the university, doing my PhD. But then he invited me to go there to, to the company. Then he introduced me, the people over there. And then they offered me to, to work. So I started to work over there in 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 the evenings after my main job because I was full time I had a full time position at the University of Hamburg and uh, yes that's how I started to work with Chess uh, Twenty Four and now I'm basically I'm every day over there so nice Not, right place right time I guess yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah and I have a lot of questions on the background first of all I'll say like I'm you know I'm old friends with Jan Gustafsson Gusti our yeah. m- mutual friend and he also I remember when when Chess 24 was uh was just in its gestation period and he was uh we had both been poker players and he was uh transitioning back to chess and talking about this new company as well so I know you uh you do a lot of your streaming in in Spanish um in addition yeah. to to English but your English has gotten quite good well, I live like six, seven years out of Spain, so that's how, that's how I learn something. So that'll do it. <laughs> yes. But but you're back in Spain now, right? Yeah, I'm back in Madrid now. Okay, you're. Yeah, I finished my PhD in December 2016, so it's uh, more than a year now that I'm back into Spain. Okay, I've only been to Barcelona, but I I love your your country. I mean, I had an amazing time there, and I, I really it's it's at the top of my list of uh, places to you explore. Should visit my city, yeah, you should visit my city, Granada in the south. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was checking out some pictures. It looks amazing. It looks picturesque. I'd lo- I'd love to go there, but my, I got little kids at home, so I either okay, I e- yeah I either need um, a higher paying job or I need to ditch my family if I'm gonna get to all the places I w- I want to do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, sp- so speaking of travel, um, you uh, I-, I saw on your stream you were recently at a chess tournament in Argentina with a couple of your uh, compatriots. So uh, could you yeah. tell our listeners a little bit about what that was like? Yes, uh, there's uh, a lot of events going on now in South America, and since now uh, this uh, Chess24 uh, Spanish streamings uh, were quite uh, successful, uh, we are getting invited to different tournaments in South America, and we're more than happy to go there. You know, it's uh, the people are extremely friendly, and uh, uh, the weather is nice. <laughs> so I, I, I was living in Germany for four years, so I, I had enough uh, yeah. uh, about cloudy days and all this stuff. So. Yes, we were invited to the Patagon in, in Argentina to some tournament, and it was uh, very, very nice. And actually, after this tournament, we went to Mexico, to Merida, to the Carlos Torre Memorial uh, just before Christmas. So it was a very, very nice tournament as well. Nice. And it was you and Spanish number two, David Anton Guijardo, and there was one more person, right? Exactly. One more person who is uh, David Martinez. He is actually the Spanish uh, Chess 24 director. Okay. Oh, nice. And like when you guys get an invite like that, like I, I'm sure it helps that you're popular in in uh, Argentina and, you know, in all Spanish speaking countries. But do you feel like um, do you um, do you think that helps them get people to the tournament? Like what's or do you do an event there? What was the uh, the idea of them inviting you specifically or was it a, anyway, was it an invitational tournament? 
Yeah, normally, well, normally they, they want us to give some talks and then to, to do some events like Blitz tournaments or, uh, you know, some training camps. So besides the tournament, we, we normally do this kind of stuff. So it seems to attract some more people. I, I, don't, I don't know if it, this is exactly the, the truth or not, but uh, they, 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 this is what they look for, you know. Okay, and did you guys do some events on this trip? Yes, of course. We we actually were in in Paraguay in Asuncion in some academy, and the kids were really excited. So it was a really an amazing time over there. And then in Mexico, we visited some academies as well, and uh, we were in some blitz events. You know, doing this kind of uh, crazy blitz commentary uh, in some uh, park in the city with uh, you know with uh, a lot of people over there. So. It's been really, really nice. It sounds like fun. And so would you say that the state of chess is pretty healthy in those countries? Well, I mean, of course, in Europe, you have many, many more tournaments uh, than in Latin America, for example. But then uh, people really appreciate over there when some Grand Masters come, for example, some international Masters come. So they really appreciate that they seem to be very happy. Okay. And what kind So and. Are they typically like beginner level players or are you working with the more talented players? Like how do the workshops work or is it like, you know, all levels? Well, it depends. Normally they try to separate. So one day, for example, for under 1800 people or other day for just for kids or other day uh, more talented players or even feeder masters or something like this. So we have been in... Uh, all kind of events, you know, and we are lucky to to have David Martinez. He is actually one of the best coaches in Spain. He he trains, uh, he coaches uh, David and Tom, for example, since uh, ten years ago or something like this. So um, yes, uh, we we can work with different levels. Nice. So, what kind of material does uh, David Martinez present? What what have you noticed from watching him uh, teach? Well, normally we we. <clears throat> He teaches uh, his uh, training method, for example, and then we work with kids with what we call the force moves to solve uh, tactical problems, for example. So we start always analyzing checks, uh, captures, and threats. And with this simple method, it turns out that uh, you can solve a lot of uh, chess uh, puzzles, for example. So we do uh, every kind of stuff. Uh, we, we we focus on tactics. We also show some, some games. Then we do some... Uh, a, a little bit of a show, like with these commentaries, uh, in order to to let the people have some fun. So every kind of stuff. Nice. Um, and did you work with a trainer coming up as a chess player? Uh, well, I never had a a coach actually. So well, whenever I uh, qualified for the Spanish championship under sixteen or something in my region, we had some coach that we could use during that week. But I mean. Uh, I never had some private coach, if, if that's what you mean. Yeah, I was just curious. I mean, I, I, one topic that we talk about a lot on this show is just sort of the different levels of support from federations and governments yeah. and stuff in given states. And I know Spain, yeah. they don't have anyone at the tippy top right now, but you guys have a pretty deep bench. I was looking at the top uh, top 25 FIDE players, and um, it's, you know, strong country chess-wise. Yes, actually, in, in Spain, I would say is the country with more tournaments, at least in Europe. So in the summer, actually, you can play a tournament every week, basically, a strong tournament, valid for 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 feeder rating. So it's actually quite healthy. And then a lot of uh, masters from 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 Europe come come here. Even uh, Indian uh, federation send a lot of players here. So it's it's quite healthy. I mean. 
And maybe it doesn't support uh, the top players, but uh, for the base, is it's amazing. I mean, uh, it's it's really healthy. Yeah, and everyone wants to go to Spain anyway, so to have chess tournaments there is yeah. uh, is a good excuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can combine chess with uh, tourism, for example. Yeah, and so our guests have varied levels. Everyone who comes on the show, of course, loves chess, but as chess professionals, uh, some of us have to put our games on the back burner and some of us are able to stay more active. And I noticed on your FIDE page, you've been pretty busy playing chess. So how's the act- how's your game coming along? Well, I managed to, uh, to get to my peak like one and a half years ago or something. I managed to get 25-40 or something like this. But then I decreased like 70 points. <laughs> now I'm uh, gaining some points back. Now I'm 2,500, uh, uh, 2,500 more or less. So I don't know. I feel like uh, it's, it's quite difficult to, to improve more once I am already 30, almost 31 years old. And I'm always busy, you know, besides chess, I, I do some engineering work all the time. So... It's it's actually. I mean, I don't have much time to 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 train and to study chess. So so I feel like my my level should be around twenty five hundred, and it's difficult to increase. And it's it's easier to to go down, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You take uh take the uh, stairs up and the elevator down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I feel. I mean, I'm a lot weaker than you, but I feel the same way. It's just it's it's such heavy sledding to to um to reach a new high. Um, yeah. so what do you, so how do you approach your tournaments since, uh, since you're not able to put in a ton of study, do you like, do you still get pretty upset if you lose? Or are you able to just like play for the enjoyment and not worry too much about the results? Well, of course I care about the results as, as every, uh, chess player, I would say, you know, but, uh, normally I try to enjoy in chess tournaments. So normally I, I try to go to places, to places that I enjoy, so it's it's very difficult to see me uh, playing a tournament in Siberia in Russia, for example, <laughs> with minus forty degrees. Right. But, uh, yeah, but but of course I'm very competitive. That's uh, how I mean how I, I that's imagine this is how I managed to get to the grandmaster because I'm very com- competitive. Um, and yes, when I'm in a chess tournament, I try to focus. I try to to prepare the games because in that period is uh, actually. Uh, when I can improve my chess, when I can study some chess or prepare uh, some good lines, for example. Okay, so if you do have time to study, what's what's your priority? Like, how would you say, I mean, like, how would you spend, say, five hours a week studying chess at your level? Well, normally, uh, one could think that we spend most of our time uh, studying uh, openings. But in my case, and in, I think in many cases, that's not uh, that's not true. So normally, I try to... To, to put a difficult position, a tough position in my board and then try to think and then to to analyze some, some, some lines. And then finally, of course, I, I mean, at the end, I, I check them with the computer. But but first, what, what we try to do, for example, I have uh, doing some training. I've done some training with Anton and, and David Martinez in Madrid in the last month. So what, let's say one, once every two weeks or something. And what we do is we sit at the board and then uh, David gives us uh, difficult positions. We try to, to to give our opinion, to analyze some some deep lines, and then check with the computer. Okay, so do you talk it over first, like with David, or is it like you guys sit separately, come up with your thoughts, then talk, or do you just right away like bounce ideas off of each other? 
Well, we think for a while, and then we, we start discussing, and then finally we start with we, we discuss with the computer. So first uh, between the two of us, and then with the computer. That means uh, David behind the computer. Eh? Okay. And what about when you're in a tournament? Like, are you uh, prepping a lot in between rounds, or do you try to relax during your down the what little downtime you have? Well, I love sports. So besides chess, so, so normally I try to play some tennis or to play some football with the people over there, and I also like visiting the cities where I am. So I, I don't want to go to Mexico and just to see the playing hall, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So, so that's why I try to enjoy uh, the different atmospheres, different cities. And yes, basically, since I'm not a, a professional chess player, because I always did something with my engineering stuff. So I try to enjoy as much as possible in the tournaments. Good for you. Yeah, it's good to have balance. Yeah, exactly. And- and do you have like a long-term vision in terms of like how much chess work you'll do versus how much engineering work? Well, I don't have a plan, but uh, now I, I'm focusing more on chess. But I, I also I am also I am also looking for postdoc positions, for example, at some university, and I got some offers uh, from uh, from a German institute, for example. I'm thinking about this and. I don't know exactly what to do. This is a, an, an uncertain period for me. So I, I still don't know if I should focus more on chess, this commentary thing, or if I should uh, focus more on my engineering. So let's see what the future brings. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a tough decision for sure. Yeah, so, exactly. So how, did, so how did getting a PhD in civil engineering, how did that compare in difficulty to, to becoming a grandmaster? Well, um, I became a grandmaster in 2015, I guess. I finished my PhD in 2016. <laughs> wow. But, uh, yeah, so just uh, just two and, and one year ago. Because I was a bit stuck on, on my chest since I was uh, focusing on my uh, degree and then my master's and then my PhD. But since I started to work with Chess24, of course, preparing all these video series for the people made me uh, study... Uh, openings that, that was one of my clear weaknesses in in my game so that's how i became grandmaster but i would say i don't know in my case my phd was very nice because i had a really nice supervisor he, he gave me really nice ideas it was a very nice atmosphere with all my colleagues and uh, i don't know but both things are quite difficult but also if you work for them i mean you can you can make it yeah? and you enjoy your work in engineering Yes, uh, I do. Yes, I was working in ultrasonic non-destructive testing of materials. Wow. <laughs> so that was pretty nice. So I was working for a German project that was uh, built between uh, uh, some universities and some German company. So that was uh, really nice. I really enjoyed it. But I think uh, I'm in love with chess as well. So basically, I enjoy, I enjoy both, both fields. Man, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> well, I can I can barely even say what uh, what you said you studied. Say it again one more time. Uh, I mean, my PhD was about ultrasonic non-destructive testing of materials. So basically, uh, there are there's this German company. Uh, they they manufacture uh, these steel tubes, and then these steel tubes uh, can have some small defects, right? In and then so what we do is we send some ultrasonic waves. And then from the data that you receive from the reflections and reflections from of, of these waves, you try to to understand what's going on in those tubes. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. It sounds um, better you than me. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> 
to be working on that. So do you, uh, Pepe, do you speak any other languages? Well, I speak Italian. Okay. Since I was living in, I was studying in Italy uh, for an exchange uh, during six months. And Italian is actually quite similar to Spanish. So I was living with seven Italian in the same house and it was quite easy to, to learn something. And then I do some, I, I speak some German but life is too short to, to learn German. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough language. Um, yeah, so yeah. it seems like you're pretty well-traveled. Um, yeah. Do you have a, a favorite place you've been, whether for, for chess or just generally? Well, I would say I love going to Latin America. I love Argentina, for example, or Mexico or Cuba. I have participated four times in the Capablanca Memorial. So, yeah, I would, I would say that the Capablanca Memorial is my favorite tournament. Okay, and is that an invitational or an open? Well, it's an open. If you're a grandmaster, international master, they can give you some conditions, but, but everybody can play this tournament. Okay. Yeah, I, I would love to go to Cuba. I have not yet made it. I did spend a li- I went on my honeymoon in Argentina, and I definitely share, okay. your, share your enthusiasm for it. It's a beautiful country. Yeah, yeah, full of nice people. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So... Um, Let's talk. So do you do any coaching? Like I know you do a lot of streaming for Chess24 and you've done yeah. some workshops and camps and stuff like that. But do you do any yeah. like one-on-one instruction? Yes, I have done this uh, a lot. So not now. Uh, I mean, now I've been extremely busy. So I, I quit doing this uh, coaching. Uh, but I, I had my students like uh, uh, since t- three years ago. I'm not doing any more coaching, but I used to have a lot of students, uh, Spanish uh, talented players or even some British and German. But now between the commentary and uh, playing, I mean, what I enjoy more is playing still. So so whenever I have some free time, uh, I prefer going to tournaments rather than do, doing some coaching. Yeah, good for you. You only live once, right? Yeah, exactly. So what was your approach? Like what's your general philosophy about how people should improve at chess? Well, normally, I, I, as I told you, I try not to focus so much in openings. I mean, why to teach uh, some kid, some 11 years uh, uh, boy, uh, 37 moves in the night of if he's going to blunder one whole night in the middle game? So, right. Yeah, so normally I try to focus on the middle games, on end games as well, but on chess in general, yeah? I try to analyze uh, all the students' game, explaining, I mean, explaining the reasons of his mistakes, etc., etc., but I barely focus in, in openings, you know? Um, yeah, that's, a, <laughs> that's become a theme on this podcast for sure. Uh, I think, um, yeah, it's, they're so tempting. There's something about them all having names, you know? And there's sort of uh, the the uh, illusion that that by memorizing the 14 moves, you'll you know that's going to dictate the game. But it it rarely works out that way until I don't know what at what level would you say that openings become super important? Well, super important. I mean, uh, above 2400 or something or 2500 even. I, I would say that every opening is playable actually in, in my level even, yeah? So uh, why not to play the Benoni, for example? I understand that Fabiano Caruana doesn't want to play the Benoni or the Benko Gambit, but in our levels, in, I mean, 2,500 or something like this, I think everything is, is, is playable, yeah? And yeah, one thing, uh, I also had a lot of uh, fights, uh, let's say fights with, with a lot of parents, yeah? A lot of parents want uh, their kids to learn the night of... Uh, 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 the Berlin until the, the 50th move and then I had to tell them okay well your kid is 8 years old so let's just try 
uh, first to to know what what is a bishop pair or what is a, <laughs> a wheat square or, or something like this. Yeah? Right. Yeah. People want shortcuts, but you have to teach them how to think. Exactly. Yeah. So what were formative things, Pepe, for you in your chess development? Like, were there any books that really uh, impacted your uh, trajectory? Like, any recommendations for people? Yeah, so for, for, for example, I used to enjoy a lot of uh, Mark Dorefsky's uh, books, of course. Uh, this book that, I don't know the, the, the name in English, but probably it's like a thing that you have an opponent in front of you or something like this. Don't forget you have an opponent or something like this in front of you. So it talks about prophylaxis, it talks about uh, many, many, many methods which are extremely interesting. So I used to enjoy these books a lot. And then I also liked uh, very much uh, Chess for Zebras uh, from Jonathan Rosen. Yeah, he's a great author. The, yeah, and The Seven Scenes in Chess. Yes, yeah, uh, big, big fan of that one too. Yeah, I, I think that was one of uh, the first books uh, I read and I really enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, it's a fun read, uh, and it's um, yeah, it's very filled with practical advice. Yeah, exactly. Cool, and uh, like, so you've you've mentioned uh, you don't think openings are as important. So how mu- like what about tactics? Like, let's say you have like a two thousand feet a level player. Like, how much yeah. time should they be spending on tactics versus other yeah. aspects of the game? Yeah, I think tactics is one of the most important uh, aspects of, of the game. So, I mean, whenever I used to, to teach, uh, then we, some part of the class was uh, just uh, for tactics. Yeah. So uh, now we're using to teach all these people in Chess24, in our Spanish broadcast, even in English, uh, this uh, force method. Yeah, we talk, uh, we, talk, we talk a lot about this threats, captures, and checks. And then using this uh, stupid method, you can actually solve many, many, many chess puzzles. Yeah, it's definitely a very good shortcut. I, I watch one of your tactics training videos, and I'm always, like, when I do tactics, and I'm about, like, 2170 feet A, yeah. so um, I'm always, I'm in my head, I now have ingrained check captures and attacks, but what I've noticed is stronger players often if I watch one of their videos, they just see a move that didn't occur to me faster. Like players don't think about these shortcuts. Uh, they just see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was uh, doing one of these tactic trainers show with Lemier Dominguez. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. One of the world top players. And then it was amazing. I mean, he, he didn't have to think even for two seconds. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, those those guys are so incredible. So, did you notice like did he calculate faster than you too or was it uh or was it just that he he found like he'd seen more patterns? Would you say it was more a matter of calculation or memorization or both equally? I don't know. I think these guys have studied so many games and positions that of course they recognize many many more parents than than a puzzle like me can do yeah <laughs> and, but i don't know because it's just so fast it's just so fast that i and puzzles that i had to spend like one minute he could see them in in, in one second so yeah there's a, a huge difference between a 2700 and a 2500 yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way watching your tactics. So, you know, <laughs> everyone everyone except for, like, Magnus, you know, has someone yeah. who makes them feel that way. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so who are the strongest players that you've played, Jose? Well, I played against Giri, Hari Krishna, Ponomaryov, um, Ivanchuk, uh, some uh, Madlakov, for example. Wow. So, yeah. 
So those guys are, are obviously monsters. What is a, do you have like a most memorable experience like of uh, between playing them, whether it was a good result or a case where like you were humbled and just like mind blown a little bit by how strong they were? Well, I managed to to make a Dragon Sea Bancher, but that was a semi-rapid game, so it doesn't count, actually. Huh. I, I'd count it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I managed to beat Bochacek once this Polish, I don't know if it's uh, the correct pronunciation, Bochacek or Bochacek. <laughs> yeah, I know I know who you mean, W-O-J, yeah. but I don't know how to pronounce it either. Uh, but then uh, most of them, of course, crushed me. Yeah, Giri crushed me, uh, Ponomariov. Uh, I, I managed to give some fight. No, but you know, at the end, most of these results, of course, are I sign under the zero. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and is uh, Dominguez? Would you say he's the strongest player you've had a chance to analyze with? Which one? Dominguez, or was it one of the players you played that you mentioned? Yeah, Giri, for example. Giri. Did you get a chance to look at the game with him? Yeah, of course. No, whenever I, 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 whenever I play against anybody, I, I, I would love to analyze the game after after finishing. Yeah, so I think. Uh, for kids, for example, if they play against a grandmaster, I think it's a good opportunity for them to learn. So that's why I, I always offer myself uh, in order to to analyze the game. And if I play against uh, one of these monsters, of course, I, I want to hear uh, their thoughts. And and it's uh, and it's actually amazing how much they can see so you, uh, compared to you. Yeah? So you tackle them on the way out the door, and whether they want to look at the game or not, they're going to look at it with no, you. No, before they stand up, you know, so they cannot run. You know? Okay, nice. And they've, they've been nice enough to... Uh, yeah, to most of them uh, have been nice, yeah. Okay, nice. So when you think back on your playing career, uh, yeah. is there, like, what were the highlights? Was it getting the Grandmaster title or, like, a youth title? Or do you have, like, a standout memory? Well, I managed to, well, I mean, uh, these small titles, yeah, for me. But I managed to, 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 to be a Spanish under-18 champion, for example, and then, uh, yes, uh, I got my IM title in, with uh, 17 or 18 year, years old. And, of course, the Grandmaster title is one of the, the biggest achievements. And, yes, I managed to win Strong Open in Spain. With uh, I was uh, ranked, like, number 25 or something. So there were, like, 10, 26 uh, Grandmasters or something like this. And, uh, yes, so basically this, this would be. Nice. Do you still get, do you get nervous before games? Yes, of course. I get really nervous. And I think this happens to everybody. When I'm beating a stronger player, <laughs> I start uh, getting nervous and then I cannot even think, you know. So yeah. I, think, I think, of course, with the, with experience, this is improving a little bit, but still happens to me. And you feel that tension, that energy. And, you know. Do, do you feel an increased amount when you play someone like Geary? An increase of what? Sorry. So do you feel like increased tension if you're playing someone like amongst the strongest players you yeah, played? Of course, and I and I and I go to those games uh, much more motivated, you know. Right. Yeah. 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 It must be an amazing experience. Um, yeah. 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 So mean, you, you you barely have opportunities to play these uh, guys, but for example, in the leagues, in the Spanish league, which is quite strong. Uh, I had these chances to to play these guys in the Bundesliga, for example, as well. And in the leagues, you have these chances to to play against these these monsters. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, all right, so Pepe, now it's time to get to the important topics. Okay. Um, Facundo the F pawn. 
Yeah, I, Akon, yeah. <laughs> so I, I've had Simon Williams on the show. He's made Harry the H pawn famous, but I wasn't, I hadn't met Facundo till I watched your videos. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so what's the story? How did how did uh, Facundo come into this world? I don't know. I was just doing. Uh, I mean, what we try to do is uh, to do this broadcast uh, natural. Yeah, so we don't plan anything. You see our broadcast. Uh, it's nothing serious. So basically, it's like if we are with our friends in a bar. Yeah. So we, we say whatever comes to our mind. And when I said Facundo the F1, and then everybody liked it. So <laughs> Facundo remained over there. I say a lot of stupid things, and some of them remain, and some of them just uh, people right. just don't. You know, so. That's funny. Have you named any other chess pieces or pawns? Yeah, we got Carlitos, the C pawn. Nice. And Aristoteles, the A pawn. But <laughs> I like it. Yeah. The rest haven't been have not been baptized yet, yeah? Nice. But, but so. <laughs> and when you stream in uh Spanish, your native language versus English, do you do you feel like there's a difference in your presentation? I don't speak Spanish, so I wasn't able to to check those out. Yeah, of course. I mean, for me, it's of course, it's, it's, it's much more natural. So, I mean, some jokes that I'm able to say in Spanish, I cannot even say in, in English. Yeah. Um, yes. But I mean, I try to do the, the same thing, more or less. Yeah. So uh, whenever there's time trouble, so we, we, we bring the excitement. And, but we don't we, we, we try not to lose uh, uh, the proper analysis of, of chess. So we, we try to make the broadcast, uh, the streaming fun. But but at the same time we try to analyze deeply all the variations. So so because uh, people want to do this want 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 this as well. Yeah. Yeah. People want a mix of entertainment and improvement. Yes. Yes. So it has to be a, a mixture. Yeah. So you cannot be like a clown for three hours and then not without explaining anything. It has to be a, a combination of both things. Yeah. So so yeah. people can be entertained and then. The kids uh, like uh, the streamings, and then uh, uh, the people who want to improve their chess can improve their chess. Yeah, it must be. I think it's probably a little bit better streaming than what I do, because when I teach classrooms, what I've noticed is if you try to throw jokes in, and maybe this is just something I need to work on, but if you have a joke that actually makes them laugh, it increases their energy level, and then they get a little harder to manage, because then they all want to crack jokes you know, so yeah. it's hard to it's hard in that setting to find the right balance between okay, I want to be entertaining, but I don't want this just to go off the rails either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but teaching kids, I mean, in real life is is a bit different. Yeah, of course, when I'm teaching some some student, I'm not doing uh, this ratata thing, or or normally I get a little bit more serious. But since we we are streaming seven hours of chess, where normally uh, they don't move, for example, in thirty minutes. You have to talk about everything, not only chess. You have to talk about your life, so I don't know, about different stuff. Normally, we try to compare these chess streamings with NBA streamings, for example, because they, they stop the game a lot in the NBA. And uh, the commentators, for example, there were, there were some Spanish commentators uh, who I used to watch them a lot, and then they, 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 they spoke about different things, you know, and that's, that's what people like, not only about basketball or chess, but, but uh, you know, different things. Yeah, our buddy Gusti is the master of that. Yeah, yeah, Gusti is... Uh, Tries to avoid talking about chess at all costs, but sometimes he can't avoid it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're, so you're an NBA fan? Yeah, I, I actually follow uh, NBA, football, tennis. Um, basically, yeah, I would say these three sports and also some cyclists. Nice. I've noticed a lot of chess players are tennis fans. Yes. Uh, you know, in Spain, since we got Nadal, 
it was a revolution. So everybody started to follow tennis, to play tennis. <laughs> a lot of tennis courts were built. So. Yeah, he's a he's an incredible player, and he seems like a, a good guy too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so Pepe, we've got the candidates coming up in a couple months. How uh, like how tuned in to, are you to events like that? Um, and uh, you know, right now we have um, Weekend Z going. Like, do you follow those events pretty closely? Yeah, and actually, I'm commenting. I'm doing commentary on the Bike and Z tournament in Spanish in Chess Twenty Four. So yesterday I was working, and today is the rest day. That's why. I, I, I I told you this date. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks a lot. So, I know you've been super busy, so I I appreciate it. So, what's you what's your take on White and Z so far? Well, Giddy has been playing uh, extremely aggressive, which is uh, could be big news actually. And uh, yeah, yesterday there was a really interesting game between Carlson and Giddy, for example, a crazy game in the French. And Anand is playing well as well. Uh, Carlson is just. Uh, half point behind so 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 let's see what happens but i, I would say that giri is playing quite well magnus didn't manage to to create troubles with the white pieces so i don't know what's going on with magnus and let's see let's see what happens it's still a lot of rounds to go and if you ask me about the candidates yeah well uh, aronian is, is is my big candidate yes he's been showing uh, a lot of strength in the last uh, in the last months in the last in the last uh, year especially so but you know everything can happen it's just one tournament all of them are extremely uh, strong so everything could happen even kajakin who is the the lowest uh, rated player uh, he has uh, shown very good skills uh, when when he's got time to prepare this kind of events he's got great preparation a great team and he is able to do everything yeah, it seems like literally anyone could win the tournament, and it'll probably be pretty narrowly condensed, like the winning exactly. score versus the versus even the lowest score. Um, yeah, it's interesting about Geary. I feel like he gets a he gets a bit of a bad rap. I mean, I know some of the draw stuff is it's become a joke. Although at this yeah. point, to me, it's like a tired joke at this point. Like you know, it's enough already. His games are attacking. Like he's an elite player. He's not drawing yeah. when he plays people 150 points lower rated than him. It's just when he plays the other top players, like sometimes your games end in draws. Uh, so, so I, you know, we're blessed that uh, so many elite players are pretty likable right now. So it's hard to just pick someone to root for, but it would be nice for him, for him to, uh, to grab a big paycheck and trophy and uh, take a title right here. Yeah, I mean, he's got 2,800 for a reason, yeah? So he didn't make it to 2,800 making draws all the time as people uh, are making fun of, yeah? So, 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 I mean, he's, of course, a really strong player and, and all my, my respect, yeah? Yeah, and he's young. I mean, he's, he's good enough where, like, anything's possible, you know? It's, it's normal to have consolidation periods in, like, in, in the advancement of one's chess career. Exactly, exactly. So everybody's rooting for the young people, but, but we, we cannot forget Anand and Kratnik, yeah? So whenever, whenever we want to bury them, they, they, they just, uh, uh, again, make another super tournament. And then, for example, Kratnik is, is playing super well, and, and Bishi Anand has just become the rapid world champion with 48 years, so... Yeah, it's really inspiring. I know you, you mentioned that like you feel like um, you're your chances for advancement are decreasing a little bit at 30, but guys like that with, and also with Peter Svidler winning the Russian championship again, like they, they provide a lot of inspiration for sure. Yeah, exactly. So I noticed Jose that you did uh, a couple, uh, you did some videos on alpha zero. 
Yes. Although I think a couple were in Spanish. So overall, what was your impression of uh, this this uh, new um, boss of ours? Well, uh, I talk about I talk a lot about this with uh, one of my closest friends. He's working in artificial intelligence. He's uh, doing PhD in Rome, and he's working in a very close field. And yes, yeah, so of course it's uh, it's uh, it's it's amazing what what what, what Alpha Zero has done. I mean, the games that they have shown us. But I try to look this uh, from the scientific point of view as well. And normally, as a scientist, you want to be able to reproduce the results of somebody else. Yeah. And this is something that Google hasn't shown. Yeah. So they have just shown us 10 games, for example, 10 victories. But I would love to see the code, for example, and the rest of the games to see where, where, where Alpha Zero uh, fails. Yeah. Uh, normally, when one uh, is uh, publishing a paper about a new method of uh, something, normally you also try to explain the weaknesses of your program. But I think Google and DeepMind are uh, more, um, uh, they, they prefer, I mean, they have gained a lot with the marketing already. And it's, uh, I mean, it's not that clear that they're going to show everything, the code and, and, and all those games. But of course, the games are impressive. You You look at, uh, those games about the Queen's Indian, for example, no, nobody understands uh, how these lines. Yeah, and if a human try to to place like this Alpha Zero, will just collapse. Yeah? yeah, yeah, and it's a tricky issue because Google is a for-profit company. So, if this were an academic endeavor, we could totally understand. Like, okay, you should you should show the code. You need peer approval, yeah. like you say, stuff like that. But who knows what applications they have in mind, and they might not want people like uh, building off of what they've designed, or at least they want to do it on their own timeline. Yeah, exactly. So some people were saying that this could even apply to some other fields, for example, in medicine or etc. But the thing is, these kind of programs are uh, programmed uh, to to solve uh, specific tasks, for example. And yes, Alpha Zero is uh, extremely great in playing chess, but only playing chess. Yeah? So, so let's see what, what kind of applications they, they try to look for. Yeah. And in terms of uh, openings, so you mentioned that like there are moves that, that they don't even understand. Do you think that that something like this will have a big impact on openings at the top level? Well, uh, could be. But the thing is, if we cannot, uh, uh, we cannot uh, I mean, if they're not going to publish any, any version that we can use, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. But 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 of course I don't know I don't know how top grandmasters uh, work, but uh, of course uh, in tournaments we are trying to 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 have uh, any slight advantage that we can get we we, we go for that yeah and uh, so let's see I actually don't have a clue yeah it's it's hard to say and who knows like we don't know what Google has in mind either yeah. for for the program yeah. so who knows how much exposure we'll get like will yeah. it pl- will it play in the computer championship in a proper setting uh yeah. that that would be amazing because there'd be a lot of lot of games then yeah for example one of the complaints uh, from uh, Stockfish uh, people uh, was like yeah so one minute was given to every computer to make a move and one of the designers of Stockfish, he was saying that Stockfish was a program designed to choose in which part of the game to spend more time, you know? So, and it was run in a different computer with a different processor. So, I mean, a lot of things have to be clarified. So, of course, it's, it's a big achievement, achievement. 
but we need to be uh, i mean patient and 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 you know wait wait to see more things yeah yeah makes sense um so jose what's uh what's your schedule look like in the near future do you have any tournaments coming up Yes, I will be playing this Sunday in the Bundesliga in uh, in Germany. Do you know also, who? Do you know who you yes. play? Sorry. Do you Do you know who you play? Well, not yet. I didn't okay. even check the list, so I should do that. <laughs> <laughs> and later, I'm traveling to Gibraltar to play one of the strongest Open in the Oh, world. nice! Yeah, that's a tournament I would love to go to. Yeah, which is actually just three hours by car from my city. So. Oh, jealous of you Europeans. Yeah, so I can visit my family and then head to 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 Gibraltar. Nice. Have you played there before? Last year, last year I, I went there and it was a, an extremely great experience. So to see all those players playing the same tournament uh, as you, I mean, and I managed to play Matt Lago, for example. He beat me, but anyway, I like this kind of experiences. Yeah. Yeah, and do you get to do much socializing when you're at a tournament like that, or is it pretty much just all business with the players? No, no, of course. And as I'm telling you, also, Gibraltar is just uh, close to, uh, I mean, it's just close to Andalusia, my region. So I have got a lot of friends over there in Cadiz, for example, which is the, the Spanish closest city. And yes, uh, the, the final day, for example, there is a, a dinner which, uh, in which uh, all the players go and then there is some small party and then you, you have time to socialize and then to meet everybody. It's quite nice. So, yeah, it sounds, sounds good to me. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, well, I wish you luck in Gibraltar, Jose. One more question. So out of all the tournaments you've been to, uh, we've got listeners of uh, all levels of, of chess, but I know some of them are, you know, like to hit the road and try to travel to tournaments. So do you have like one tournament that's your favorite or is it too hard to pick? Well, uh, as I told you, I enjoy a lot going to Cuba, for example. So the Capolanca. Yeah, that's remember? right. You already, you already said that in your defense. Yeah, although. But- but I also have another choice uh, for, for the people. So if you would like to come back, uh, to come to Spain, sorry, I recommend you the Benasque Open. It's in the mountains in summer, so the weather is very nice. There is a football tournament. There is a ping pong or table tennis tournaments, And there are many, many parallel activities. And it's a tournament that I enjoy a lot as well. Sounds great. Can you say the name of it again? Benasque. Benasque. Okay. N-A-S-Q-U-E. Okay, that sounds awesome. And, and like I yeah. said, I mean, people want to go to Spain anyway. So, uh, yeah, you're and, welcome. welcome. <laughs> cool. Okay, well, Jose, unless you have anything else to cover, I don't. Uh, other th- oh, um, I do want to ask how how people can contact you. If like, uh, is there a preferred social media method, or should they just look for you on Chess Twenty Four? What's the best way to reach you? Yeah, they can contact me in Facebook. I'm Pepe Cuenca Jimenez in Facebook or Twitter. Or Instagram. I think I got Instagram as well. I never use it, but I, I think I got it. <laughs> yeah, I have. I have. <laughs> my chess twenty four email is working as well. So Pepe dot chess twenty four dot com. Okay, cool. Well, thanks so much, Pepe. I know you've got a ton to do. I mean, you've been super busy with Weekend Z, and you've got your streaming too. So I'll let you get to it. I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, introducing yourself to our listeners a bit. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's been really a pleasure to be in your podcast. And um, yes, thanks again. Special shout out to my PayPal and Perpetual partners. I spend about five hours a week working on the show. And while I love doing it, it can be hard to find the time. Without these people, the show would not be possible. So special thanks to... 
Adrian Gutierrez, Alex Pejas, Chris Wainscott, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Chris Flanagan, Gary Andrews, I am Greg Shahadi, Jason Dunbar, Jennifer Valens, John Fernandez, WGM Jen Shahadi, Jens Green, Johnny McMenamin, Kelly Palmer, Krishna Gopala Krishnan, Macaulay Peterson, Matthew Tedesco, GM Pascal Charbonneau, Paul Sweeney, Peter Lux, Ricky Grahava, Rob Lazorchek, WGM Tatia Vabrahamian, Tim Seymour, Todd Bryant, Victor Vrankulj, FM Zhao Cheng, and Zhivko Stoyanov. Thanks a lot, guys. I will catch you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.